often say this to people. I am an expert at knowing what doesn't make it, not what makes it. What makes it is different for every little guy. It's really finite and it's really like something special. What doesn't make it is really bluntly obvious. Like they're not doing certain things or they're, they're refusing to break old habits to move into the next level of pro game. So I, I'm really good at identifying what's not going to happen. Like if you do this again, you're not going to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot to do with watching like, and going through Europe. And like I was 20 years in total in Europe and playing and coaching. And then I've been 10 years now in the NHL. In, in development, I've seen so many people want to get to here and they only get to this level. Like they don't get to their optimum level. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Favalli. This is Crunch Chronicles, episode 31 of the show this week. And once again, we're kind of staying off the beaten path a little bit and uh, going through a different route into the Syracuse Crunch organization. The last few weeks, we've heard from Crunch owner Howard Dolgan, Crunch general manager Stacy Roost. And, and this time, we wanted to talk to someone who's not a Crunch alumni again, but has had such a hands-on role with so many players who are either current Crunch players or already are Crunch alumni. And uh, we're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning's Director of Skill Development, Mike Ellis. He is our guest here on Episode 31 of Crunch Chronicles. Mike has a wonderful story about, uh, you know, his whole career arc and journey is is really something to keep an ear out to as he tells his story here on the show this week. He's been all over the map. He's had such a great uh, experience in the game of hockey, and it's all kind of led him here to the Lightning organization, which he joined a few years ago. And he's been a part of a couple of Stanley Cup championships championships with the Lightning, but he is very frequently in Syracuse on ice with this team this year and over the last couple of years working with the players either as an individual basis or with the full team and getting some great skill development in with these players in Syracuse. And, and you'll hear kind of the philosophy behind that, how he approaches things and uh, some of the great stories over the last uh, few years with the Lightning organization as Mike Ellis uh, is our guest here on episode 31 of Crunch Chronicles. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, it's it's a little different from what we've had in terms of mainly Crunch alumni on the show up to this point, but it just feels like it was right to have Mike Ellis on now with the Crunch in the midst of a stretch run here in 2022, and, and he, uh, he's he been a big part of that, of course, on and off the ice, whether it's on ice with practices, talking with guys off the ice, whatever it might be. He's got a great story. He, he talks about the development of so many players in the organization. Mike Ellis our guest on Crunch Chronicles, episode 31. Very good, thanks. Uh, happy to be here. Um, keeping really busy right now, trying to go out and see our um, our prospects and our drafted players, and uh, it's keeping me busy. I'm I'm in and out of Syracuse when when the Crunch are in town and when I can hit a few days in a row of practice. And it's been uh, it's been a busy year, like um, where most people in COVID has maybe slowed down a bit. I've been all over the place. Yeah. I've crossed crossed a lot of borders. Yeah, we've seen you in different cities and different places. Uh, we caught you in Toronto. I'm sure you're all over the map. What's what's uh, you know in this role? What what's I guess how would you describe your role as the director of skill development? 
Well, um, as you know, like every every player is his own case, and it's his own specific uh, development plan for each guy. So there's there's a lot of work to be done um, because you can't you can't paint anybody with the same brush. Everybody has their own method of learning and their their style of learning. So I dive pretty deep into each guy's individual progress and individual plan um, to get better over over say, you know, their three year entry level contract is probably the the term that I have to really focus on um, that that I say is the gist of what I do I obviously report back to management on on progress I, I I'm constantly in contact uh, both both through text and whatsapp and all the different forms of of uh, communicating with all with all our players and prospects so it's uh, it's an exciting job it's never the same every yeah. day is different I think that's what I love about it the most yeah what, what's uh, I was gonna say well we'll get to it but I, I no day is the same for sure what what's I can't even really say typical day because you're all over the map but what's kind of a day-to-day you know in, in a take a, a week what what's going on throughout the course of a week for you so if I've scheduled a week to be in here in Syracuse I, I live in uh, St. Thomas Ontario so I'm about five and a half hours so I I drive the day before that I'm going to be on the ice so let's say I drive on a Sunday night or a Monday night depending on the days off um, I have uh, a practice plan that um, Joe Palmer sent me and I have time before and after and helping out during practice so I will plan depending on the, um, the the subject or the structure of the practice I will plan stuff before and after that's applicable to both the players that are in my session and the team structure so a lot of times um, making sure the skills fit the structure is, is a big part of my day so we would we would have 15 minutes before maybe 15 minutes with a group of forwards 15 minutes with a group of D after practice uh, then we'll go down into the gym and we'll make sure that the workouts that they're doing correspond with the on ice work we're doing so they're they're not only training on but off ice uh, most days and then um, also Jamie Hefferman who's our movement specialist we make sure that all ties in and then we we kind of rinse and repeat then mm-hmm. and, and and obviously when I say rinse and repeat it's more I, I then I then plan in the evening to figure out what the practice subjects going to be how far along did we get in the practice today where are we starting tomorrow on on the same topics or 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 a new topic um that's the exciting part i i have to admit like every day you're hitting the ice knowing that you're going to teach something that will benefit an athlete to take his next step both you know mentally physically on the ice tactically so it's it's always really different and it's always a challenge to to be thinking on your toes all the time uh, you, you kind of mentioned you see how far you progressed in that practice that day i'm sure every athlete is is different every individual is different but how quickly do some of these things that you're teaching kind of sink in for for someone if you're on the ice with them or is it more of you got to work away at it for for a good stretch before it finally becomes almost that second nature yeah you know it's it's an interesting topic because every guy has a very different mindset and every guy has either like an open or a fixed mindset and what we find is the open mindsets the often the younger players that um, have that growth and open mindset they develop really quickly and they often will plug it in and practice over and over again it just takes them a little bit longer to plug it into their gameplay mm. so if I see someone immediately like learn a new tactic or a new hand position or shooting position and I immediately start seeing it in practice I'm like making a note to watch their next games to make sure that if if I see a, a transfer into a game, like an actual like replicated rep 
inside a gameplay, I'm like, bang. And I really make a big emphasis on trying to catch them doing it right. So my, you know, often with coaching, you're pointing out the maybe where they, they did something incorrectly inside a, inside a system where I'm like, I, I'm looking to catch them doing it right. Yeah. So I'm like, there it is. And half the time they don't even realize. They're like, really? <laughs> and they, I show them and they play back the video and they're like... I'm doing it now. Yeah. I said, yeah, you're not even thinking. It's 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 yeah. just subconsciously you're you're aware that that's the best way to handle that situation in that moment. Yeah, that, that's so, got to be the moment there where you know it's it's kind of there, right? Yeah. yeah. And then for me, that's an exciting moment when you catch them doing it right, and then they start understanding the advantage that they've created for themselves. Um, and that's that's development. Like that's that's got to be the part that makes you want to come back to work the next day when you see a guy just start flourishing with these with these tactics or flourishing and another really cool part of the job is we'll teach something specifically in one way the player will hybrid it into their own thing and they've made their own effective way of that idea hmm. or that concept that to me is 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 the beauty of of helping and and helping players grow and that maybe the difference between coaching and teaching where you're actually teaching the teachings are thrown into the gameplay and they're actually excited about the way that they've made it their own. Yeah, that's right? neat. That's you know? cool. Uh, it's well, this year has been so unusual too. Of course, you mentioned COVID at the start, and and maybe it hasn't slowed you down. You've been all over the place. You've been here in Syracuse. You're here this week, of course. But uh, from a crunch's perspective, the last because of COVID, the last month and a half has there've been very few practices. So, uh, how have you found this year in terms of not only from a crunch perspective, but just in general? You know what you've been able to do on the ice, and uh, clearly you still have found time to get on the ice uh, at least here in Syracuse, and I'm sure everywhere else as well. How have you found this year as a whole? with with you know navigating the challenges yeah i think i think overall it has diminished a little bit of the process because the process keeps getting broken and we have to restart but a lot of the guys have have kind of taken you know taken the information like okay i I can't skate today or we're not going to skate as long or we have too many games so we can't practice and they've turned it into their own advantage by like putting more time in maybe off the ice or on their body in the gym right so um for me it's it slowed us down a little bit but i think it's even it's for every team it's the same so there's no major disadvantage or advantage. Um, you just got to roll with the punches and those sort of things and, and learn to be resilient. If anything, it might have taught a lot of kids uh, lessons lessons in resiliency and, and being able to to cope with uh, that adversity that hits, right? Yeah, for sure. You you, you're clearly, you're here in Syracuse, like we said, a lot. You mentioned, you know, you keep an eye on and work with other uh, Lightning prospects. So are you on ice with a guy like, I mean, Declan McDonald, for example, he was here in Syracuse last year when the OHL didn't play. He's obviously back in the OHL this year. Do you yep. do you get a chance to get on ice with him, or is that more of a, a conversation? How does someone like that work out with you? Yeah, fortunately, um, because before I worked here, I worked in Toronto, and that whole Ontario Hockey League kind of got to know me through being a consultant for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. So I, I know most of the GMs and managers in the OHL, and it's very easy for me to say, hey, I'm coming to visit our prospect, and they let me on the ice, which you know, when I say let me on the ice, they, they let me on with that player to work on something specific after practice. Right. Okay. So, um, that happens a lot and, and I'm very fortunate that I built relationships in my past with them. So they allow me to work with our prospects. So, and that, that time's quite valuable because when you get on the ice with someone, 
they're explaining like a scenario that's happened to them in the last week or two and they're trying to solve that problem. So for me, coming in with a fresh perspective with a concept from Tampa that they're going to learn that concept anyways if they if they get into the lineup in, in Tampa or Syracuse. So for them, it's like a head start and an yeah. advantage. Yeah. So um, Declan um, started with us um, this year in, in Kitchener and was traded to Barry and um, he's having a good year. He's... He's just such a dedicated worker, you know, like it's, it's non-negotiable. He works so hard and, and, but he's also a very quick learner, um, buys in, he gets everything out of, out of his performances every night. So, um, yeah, I've, I've seen him two or three, I've seen him three times this year. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, he was fun to watch last year, and I'm sure we'll see him here in Syracuse at some point down yeah. the line. Uh, you, you mentioned kind of your your career arc, so let's let's pull back a little bit and talk about that. How have you ended up here in Tampa? What's what's the route you took back when you were a player and through through yeah. all those days? You've obviously had a uh, a winding career to to lead you here to the Lightning organization. Yeah, I've um, I left North America when I was 19. I was playing junior hockey in Ontario playing tier two junior a for the burlington cougars um i am very fortunate my my mother and father are from britain have a british passport so they i had a british passport to go to europe with so i could play as a european player Mm -hmm. so i went over started playing in england in 90 wow 94 94 95 and that was the year um so i played i played two years in england and then uh, my game started to improve, so I went from England to Germany, played in the Bundesliga in Germany uh, in the Hanover area, um, a team called uh, Adendorf for a year in the Bundesliga. And then I came back to England to, they started a new league in England called the Elite League, and I played in the Elite League for five or six years before starting to be a player coach. So I was a player head coach um, for four or five years, maybe even, yeah, four, I think about five years. And then had had very fortunate to have a lot of success there, won the, as a coach, won the championship in the UK, um, and then got a contract as a coach in Italy, in the second league in Italy, uh, a team called Appiano. Eppen, and we won the division two there so um i then got an opportunity as a head coach i was then on the bench then so this is 2008-9 bench coach in italy played uh coach in the top league in italy for a total of four years um in um in uh a team called valpalace uh, it was it was a lot of fun, really good times. Uh, met a lot of great people. A lot still have a lot of friends from that. And then in 2011-12, um, decided to come back to North America, and I was going to uh, start my own sort of. I, I noticed when I was coaching, I'd always like really pull towards the second and third line guys and want to help them because mm. I was a second, third line, hardworking guy and I wanted to really help them make our team better. So I would always like be, man, I got to make our bottom third better and we're going to win championships. We're going to have chances. And, and, and we had a lot of success, success in the past. So I'm like, this is my formula. This is how I think it works. So then when I came back to North America, I realized like I'm, I'm really heavy on the teaching and not so much on the coaching like I wasn't I was a player's coach for sure Mm -hmm. I knew that and I was really helping the players and I thought okay well start my own development and I noticed when I started teaching development I just started a little company called progressive hockey development and I noticed that 
when I was working with the young kids, it was the, the happiest I ever was. I was like thrilled with like seeing a kid just, oh my God, he can cross over properly now. Oh my God, he can shoot properly now. So I realized that that was kind of my passion along with a, a job that I really loved. So I was like, this is great. So the company grew and I, um, I got offered uh, to do a development camp with the Nashville Predators as, as, and they decided to bring me in as a skating coach, as a skating consultant. So I did this, I did this uh, development camp there and, and I, I met Barry Trotz and, and met, a, met a few of the staff and this was quite a long ways back. It was 2011, 12. Uh, Seth, Seth Jones was their newest import at the time or their newest uh, draft and I realized like this is a lot of fun. I really like it. So I I came back and, and started really pushing my development group in Ontario and I changed the name to Hockey Detail because I, I, it was more fitting of the way I explain things. And then um, the Maple Leafs asked me to come in for an interview for as, as a consultant. Uh, Steve Steos called me and asked me to, to come in for an interview with Kyle Dubas. So I went in for the interview and um, Literally, what what I just said to you about all this hockey that I've played, I've been all over the place. Yeah. One of the things I didn't mention is while I was in the UK, I, I played for the British national team for 12 years and, 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 you know, was a captain, assistant captain for them and played in the world championships. A lot of, had a lot of life experiences being in different countries. Yeah. So I think um, that story really, I, I explained to Dubis that I've, I've coached and taught kids from every country like i've taught russians i've taught swedes Finns, czechs like you name it they've right. been imports on my team that i've coached so i'm like i'm very comfortable understanding cultures and how they work and why why they are the way they are and so that kind of landed me my first um nhl opportunity so i signed and i signed a, a couple year contract started working with the marlies and the leafs and I was more dedicated to the Marlies and working with, I, I said, I want to work with like the, the guys that are just getting in and, and help them build a concept and help them build learning process. And so I really took, I was, I was with the Leafs for uh, six, seven years in total. And I um, worked my way up to be working with the Leafs most of the time doing the pregame skates same sort of thing I'm doing here I was doing with the Leafs and then that turned into after six years of that I was like okay well I, I had a hunger to win like I was really like we gotta like we're almost there we won the Calder Cup awesome Calder Cup win and it was really exciting and then I'm like I want to win the Stanley Cup it's like such a important thing in my head every year like how can I do it how can I do it and and then my contract um I was up for a contract renewal and I was kind of like weighing it all up and Barb who works for um, Toronto at the time and Tampa mentioned the way they work in Tampa and obviously it's always drawn my attention I thought wow that'd be awesome to work for for this organization and so I um I just I just sort of you know inquired a little bit about what's out there and then the next thing you know um Tampa asked for permission to speak and the rest is yeah. history well here you are and, yeah and you got that and job. it was an upgrade right it was yeah a, it was going from consultancy to, to directorship right. so I was super thrilled and I you know I still have a lot of great friends in the Toronto organization and uh, and you know they're they're still on the climb like like we are and so then winning winning cups and and being a part of this process here in Syracuse has been awesome and you know everybody's so um driven and, and passionate about winning and, and 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 doing it the right way by teaching them how to play the right way to win like the result of all our hard work and learning is 
the winning, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's been an amazing, you know, where everybody else has struggled through this COVID time, we've... You got to, I think when we look back 10, 20 years, when we're older, talking to our grandkids, like we had the most amazing time ever in the COVID <laughs> winning two cups yeah. back to back. So it's like, it's a real uh, roller coaster of a ride for yeah. sure. It, what, it, what, you said you, you wanted to win. You, you got the two cups, obviously, yeah. with the lighting and hopefully there's more coming yeah. uh, in the near future. What what has that meant to you to have uh, to seen that happen now since you've uh, joined the organization? Yeah, like it's, it's obviously like, it's quite surreal real when you actually get the ring and you're looking at it and you're like oh my god we've achieved this and it's so many like decisions and things that that were like intertwined that made this actually happen it's so incredible right that actually the outcome is this Mm -hmm. and then now we're at a point where and then when we did it the second time it was it was like we were just doing things right again. Everyone was doing things correctly. And the, and obviously we have amazing coaching, amazing, um, you know, at both levels. Plus you have, you have all these top players in Tampa that are, are, are now like, you know, they're, they're veterans mm-hmm. that know what they're doing. They, they, they have a experience of winning and, and they do, they play the game the right way too. So it's, it's super exciting. And, you know, I, I'm sure these are going to be some pretty precious years when you look back at them, you yeah. know, they're all happening so fast now, but they sure uh, are, <laughs> you know, I can't believe it's the third, like it's, if we were to, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens, but we're going for the third cup. Yeah. It's I mean, they won two in less than a year's time. I know. With, that, with the, it just it was wild with the bubble that's... and coming right back at it again. And Mike Ellis is our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. You talk about your your playing career and, uh, you know, how, how do you think in terms of your playing career and then when you shifted into coaching, how do you think that has kind of helped you relate to the players? You mentioned it's kind of your role was that second, third line, and, yeah. and that's kind of who you initially yeah. connected with. How do you think your whole hockey experience now helps you connect with the players of today? Um, what's really interesting about my career is I started in junior as a defenseman. And then I was a really quick skating defenseman. So when I showed up in pro, the pro coach is like, you know, you're too fast to play D. Just go, go forecheck for yeah. us. So I put me on the wing and I would be like, and a comparable to me, it would be like forche. I was just like, just buzzing, 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 always speed. And I started to learn how to score and learn how to figure it out. And, and then and then about at 27, 28 years old, when I was 28, I think, and I got my first player coaching job. And I was like, I can't be a player coach if I'm the F1 chasing pucks. And I don't even know what's going on yeah, behind me because right. I'm, the, I'm the first guy on the puck. So I changed my position to the become the fourth or fifth defenseman. And I just, yeah, I just went back to what I learned in junior, kept it simple and blocked shots, did anything that would help us win. Yeah. And so what that's done for me in my job is I've played all positions in my pro career. So I'm very comfortable talking D or talking offense. And then because I was a late learner or a late bloomer, so to speak, I appreciate the learning piece because I learned it when I actually was old enough to appreciate it. And that's what I think a lot about um, when I think about young players coming into organization, they get drafted at 18. They're not ready yet to fully, some of the mature ones are, but they're not ready to fully submit to learning because they think that they've learned everything. Mm-hmm. Look what they just got drafted in the NHL, yeah. which is a natural occurrence for the brain. So I'm like, I get it. But then when they come here, now they're 23, 24, 22, 21, they're, they're now ready to learn. So when you show them stuff, they're like, if I get good at that, I could probably play there. 
because he's doing it. Here's the video. There's an NHL guy doing it over and over again. So, so for me, it's it's been exciting to to be a part of that process, and that's what I think with my past being so multicultural, multi multi level. Like I went from first league in England to the to the highest league in uh, Italy, which was quite a big difference back in that day. I played in Germany too, which is a high level. And then coming here, I'm working my way through again. And I also do skills. I do skills for the women's national team, um, the Canadian Olympic team. So I've watched that game evolve and been a part of their their um, exciting exciting journey right they yeah. win in the Olympics and, and winning world championships and I've also when Barb was when Barb Underhill owned the Guelph Storm I was I ran the skills for them and they won the OHL Cup and went to Memorial Cup so I've seen a lot of like I, I often say this to people I am an expert at knowing what doesn't make it not what makes it what makes it is different for every little guy. It's really finite and it's really like something special. What doesn't make it is really bluntly obvious. Like they're not doing certain things or they're, they're refusing to break old habits to move into the next level of pro game. So I, I'm really good at identifying what's not going to happen. Like if you do this again, you're not going to get to where you want to go. So, and I think that's a lot to do with watching and going through Europe and like I was 20 years in total in Europe and playing and coaching. And then I've been 10 years now in the NHL in, in development. I've seen so many people want to get to here and they only get to this level. Like they don't get to their optimum level. Yeah. So for me, it's like people don't realize that I see that every day over and over and over and over again. So when I'm talking to certain guys who just met me, they don't have a clue that I can totally see something they're doing is not going to be successful at the next <laughs> level. And then, but they can't break it. Yeah. So it's, it's habitual. And, and that's, that's the fun part is like trying to make them communicate with them in a way that they actually go, I get it. If I just simplify that instead of making it more difficult, I'll have more chances because I'll have more time and I'll see more plays and then all, you know, A plus B plus C, it's just going to work. Right. And then that's when you get the buy-in, it's super exciting and it's fun to watch. Like we've had so many guys go through, even in just the two, three years I've been here, it's been, um, it's been so fun watching the guys, you know, Colton and yeah. Radish and Kachuk and all becoming Verhage, all becoming NHL guys, right? Yeah. It's yeah. pretty exciting. It, it's, we, we've been so fortunate to see it over the years and especially, like you said, of late, there's been some great ones coming through. You mentioned the uh, women's, uh, you know, the, the Canadian women's national team. Uh, just a sidebar, what a rivalry that is. And, and oh. the, those games, U.S. and Canada, the, the yeah. final again, the gold medal. I mean, they're just great. It's um, it's ultimate competition for sure, like ultra, ultra comp- competitive. And what's so cool about those uh, women is that they, they have the ability to take in so much more information than the average male. Mm -hmm. So they will like absorb like double. And I'm not just saying that they absorb double what the average male absorbs in a session and you'll watch them plug it in in half the time. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I'm sure all the women out there are going, yeah, (laughs) duh, (laughs) duh. that's obvious, but it's so true. Like, and it's so fun to be a part of that because I often throw stuff at them that I'm like, I sometimes would test it out and I can see right away, like they've got it. I don't even have to say another word where with, 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 with men's hockey, you often have to be like, it's going to work for that guy, but it's definitely not going to work for this guy. But with, with women, they, they want to share the puck 
and they want to run in units of five up and down the ice. So there's no, like the individual, like you almost have to push a little bit harder to get individualistic traits out of people. Hmm, mm -hmm. Like, hey, you're there. That's high percentage. Don't waste that puck. Like throw it on net or or, or shoot to score. It's yeah. yours. But like you have to really... It's, it's a different, totally different beast. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Which is exciting yeah. because then it challenges me even more to figure it out. Yeah. Right? So. Well, well, Crunch fans, stay tuned. Uh, there's some news coming your way about uh, the women's, uh, the national team coming up here shortly. So stick around for that. Uh, you've you kind of alluded to it a little bit, Mike, uh, you know, coaching and teaching. And you say they're a little bit different in terms of their realms. How would you, what's the biggest difference between coaching and teaching? Often, I would argue that they're the same and okay. you have to be really good at both. Yeah. Um, but, but I just think, I actually think the teaching is like coaching with slightly less discipline. So it's more about like, we know you're going to make a mistake and we know that this is, but we need you to learn from that mistake and feel what was wrong and actually identify what was wrong inside that movement or, or tactic where coaching is like, we've got a whole bunch of tools already and we got to keep them sharp and we got to make sure that we execute within, within the guidelines of what we do. Like that's the way I look at coaching is like, we have a, a way of playing, we have a style of play. And when I'm coaching, I'm making sure that I'm staying on top of, of keeping everything premium where when I'm teaching, I'll, just for the sake of this guy doesn't move his left side of his body very good. I'm going to peel back all the layers and I'm going to make him have a couple errors in a row just so he feels the error and how hard it is to do it his way. That, that is, that is like habitually locked into the way he moves. And now here's a new way. And this new way is going to feel absolutely garbage the first time. Second time, not so garbage. Third time, well, it's not bad. And then off they go. And yeah. then they take they take it and run with it. So there I think every you know, all the coaches at this level are great teachers and coaches. That's why they're here. But from my perspective, it's like it's understanding they understand really well when to teach and when to coach. Where for me I'm become very specific at how to teach and then really extrapolate the teaching into like more pieces, like way more pieces. Yeah. Just so that there's, there's just so many little teeny specifics inside that if we help the guys with it, it might just be finding 1% for one guy in one position. And that's a good day for me. I'm pumped because it, it, it's happened. Like yeah. we've changed it, right? Yeah, that's exciting. Mike Ellis yeah. is our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Uh, there's been some great development, like you said, over the course of the year here in Syracuse. It, this might be an unfair question. If it is, just let me know. But uh, is, there, is there a story or is there a, you know something, a success story that sticks out to you from, from this group this year of uh, maybe it's the whole group, maybe it's an individual player who is, who's made a significant step in something you've been working on? Yeah, there's there's been a f there's been quite a few. Obviously, last year it was um, you know Taylor Taylor Radish going through his getting himself into premium fitness and then watching all the tactics that he knows and has grown through development through the through the coaching staff here and through our development staff and watching him just unleash it. That was really exciting. Yeah. Um, this year we've seen some great gains um, on some of our younger guys. Um, you've seen Kepka pick up you know, starting to score more consistently and he's actually, uh, having more possession and, and controlling things a little bit more. You're seeing, uh, gauge, um, gauge going through a little bit of what 
Taylor Radish went through where he just got himself into a premium fitness level and now he's really starting to to come on and, and when you see him touch the puck he makes good decisions consistently um, those are two that you know younger guys drafted guys that it's exciting to see that they're they're actually on track um, so th- those are exciting you know like we've had you know Colton go up and not come back we've had you know and I, I think the future is only going to have more of that because of um, obviously the cap's going to yeah. become an issue and, and, and numbers of players rosters in the next two, three years, we're going to have to find and build top players. So I think, I think that's more of a story to come. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I like yeah. it. Is there anything else you want to add before we let you run? We could, we could talk about this all day because you are obviously very passionate about this and it's been a great conversation, but we're almost out of time here. Is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to add before we let you run today? No, I just that I've, I've been very thankful and it's been a lot of fun and, and I, and you know, and I know all our supporters that come out and it's so great to see them now back in the building yeah. all the time. It's really exciting. And, you know, I think the crunch is, um, we're going to be, we're going to be right there. And, and, you know, I, I, I like what we, I like what we could bring to playoffs here. We have lots of like intensity and experience in our lineup. So I, I'm excited. Yeah. I think, I, I think we're, we're starting to peak at the right time and, and, you know, go crunch. Yeah, I agree that you should be fun. Well, Mike Ellis, uh, director of skills development for the Tampa Bay lightning. Thanks so much for doing this here today. And, uh, well, well, I'm sure we'll see you again here down the stretch, but, uh, keep going and, and, uh, continue success here with the lightning organization. Thank you. Looking forward to it. There he is, Mike Ellis, the Tampa Bay Lightning's Director of Skill Development, our guest here on Episode 31 of Crunch Chronicles. We appreciate him taking some time here while he was in Syracuse once again to have a conversation with us. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. Like I said earlier, it really was a fascinating uh, kind of career arc for him and, and how he blossomed later on as a player in England and, and going through the different European leagues and coaching over in Europe as well and, and transitioning that into his roles now in North America where he's worked with the Leafs and with the Lightning most recently and obviously that year that he mentioned with the National Predators organization as well but a really uh, fun conversation at least I found it entertaining and I hope you did too uh, the different uh, approaches to skill development you can just you hear it in his voice the passion he has for it and and how rewarding it is when a player it clicks what he's trying to teach him in that moment whether it's a one session or a couple of sessions that they've been working on something. And that moment, as he said, where you see it happen in a game is the moment you know it is really clicked with that player. So uh, a fun conversation with Mike Ellis here on episode 31 of Crunch Chronicles. If you have any comments about the show here today, we'd love to hear from you about uh, whatever you might have to say about Mike Ellis in the conversation today or any of our previous guests. Of course, you can reach out via email lfavali at syracusecrunch.com or via Twitter at Lucas Favalli. Love to hear some of the feedback on this episode of the most recent episodes of the show uh, here on Crunch Chronicles. Don't worry, though. We are going to get back to our Crunch alumni here uh, very shortly on Crunch Chronicles, but we did want to take a little bit of a step away and, and get caught up on the big pieces and the big players in the organization, and we hope you enjoy the conversation today with Mike Ellis. That'll do it, though, for us here on Crunch Chronicles. Thanks so much again to Mike for joining us here on the show this week. For all of us with the Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Vivani saying so long for now. We'll be back next week with another great episode of Crunch Chronicles.